It's Wednesday, February 1st, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Jason Moser and from Motley Fool Inside Value Joe Mager. Gentlemen, good to see you. Hey, Howdy. Howdy, Chris. Uh, we have got earnings from Amazon, but we are going to start with Facebook. Facebook is expected to file the required paperwork today for its IPO. The company is looking at a public offering of about $5 billion, a a tidy little sum there. Uh, You may recall that Google... Went public. They were looking to raise two billion. So obviously, this is this is a lot more, a lot of threads to the story. But Jason, I'll just start with you. When you saw this story this morning, what was your thought? Yeah, it seems like some things have changed. I guess this is still sort of you know moving along, and, and we had seen some ideas of maybe a market valuation of around a hundred billion dollars and, and floating about ten billion dollars worth mm-hmm. of stock out there. And so now, if it's somewhere between seventy-five and one hundred billion, and we're talking about maybe five billion worth of stock now, you can see that it's a very small amount of the company that they would actually be floating out there. And, and the one thing I think that I would be concerned with first and foremost is, you know, that really, either way, it implies that you are essentially getting into bed with Mark Zuckerberg on this deal. And so that, I think, is the question investors have to ask themselves because we don't have a lot to go on with him. There's, there's not much as far as, you know, publicly reported uh, reports or anything uh, regarding the company. And so you're, you're, you're putting your faith in him in that business. And I just, Got to think investors got to wonder about that. Uh, Joe Mager, low float IPO. I know you're a big fan of low float IPOs. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> so this system is rigged. What will happen is this company will go public and they'll only take a small percentage of their shares out as float. So in this case, Facebook's looking at, you know, rumor 5%. Why didn't they do ten percent? Well, why do five when you can only, or why do ten when you can only do five? Sure. And the beauty of that is that it creates this wacky imbalance of supply and demand, where people are going to pile into this small number of shares. It's going to jack up the stock price, and it's going to allow the people who own shares today to exit at a later price, like say six, nine months from now, a year from now, at a much better price. And along the way, the bankers, the Morgan Stanley leading the IPO. They'll make more money along the way too because they're bringing you back out. So if if you avoid only one IPO in 2012, this is the one. I saw an interesting statistic there. This IPO is going to create at least 1,000 millionaires in the process. So the people that are working with Facebook, investors in Facebook at this point, I mean, and Joe's exactly right. I mean, it creates a false demand there for shares mm-hmm. that aren't out there. Uh, it's going to create a lot of millionaires, make a lot of people rich, but it's, it's not going to be us. It's not going to be the normal investor. Not the guy buying the stock. No. Yeah, I mean, this is going to IPO at a price of about 25 times sales. For perspective, Google is selling for five times sales. Amazon's about two. <laughs> right. 25 times sales is off the charts in terms of expense. And, you know, it's going to be extremely difficult to justify that kind of valuation. So when all of the paperwork is filed, when all of the numbers come out and investors can finally see um, you know, the numbers that this company has been generating, um, what is the number that they should be focusing on? Well, what I'm looking at is how well they're monetizing the user base. Mm-hmm. And so that's analysts speak for how much money they're making from each user. So what I would went back and did was looked at estimates of the revenue against the number of active users they have and compared that to uh, Google, Zynga, LinkedIn, Pandora, and all these other groups, and found that, one, all of these are basically very similar. They're all kind of in the mid-single digits. Uh, Facebook's <coughs> kind of around 6 bucks, maybe 7 depending on you know what rumored <laughs> revenue number I'm using. But what's interesting is that's actually below what Pandora pulls down. And it's above Zynga, but not by a whole lot. So that's to say that 
they're not really monetizing the space of users all that well. When you consider that Facebook is the destination that consumes more time from American Internet users than any other, you would think we'd be spending, you know, maybe a proportionate share of that dollar there, but we're not. So I think that really just speaks to this is a company that hasn't really figured out the business model just yet, and they did the product first, and now they're kind of retrofitting. Obviously, they've done a very nice job of that, but they still have a long way to go. Like when you look at Google, you know, I rough cut was like, you know, Google doesn't release this kind of data, but let's say that half the planet uses some form of Google services, so Google Search, YouTube, etc. At that ratio, you're looking at about 16 bucks a user. So Google is really effectively monetizing the people who use their services mm-hmm. and just far and way better than these other guys. Now, Facebook would have to really improve. And, you know, you could look at that as an opportunity, I suppose, that maybe with some time and they'll post more talent, they'll figure things out, that they'll be able to do that. But you know, right now they're just kind of running middle of the pack in terms of actually monetizing the traffic they've got. Uh, Jason, I, I wasn't planning on trying to get on uh, in on the IPO of, of Facebook, which now it, the timeline looks like it's it's probably somewhere in May. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so again, I wasn't looking to get in anyway. But when I hear things like Pandora has essentially, it, in, at least in terms of this one metric, has a better business model or is mo- doing a better job of monetizing their business model than Facebook. That makes me even less interested. Yeah. I mean, it certainly brings skepticism into play. And I mean, I, I don't think – like I, I certainly in looking at the two businesses, I mean, to me, Facebook is is by far and away the more powerful, uh, you know, compelling option out there. I mean, we know that they, they touch, you know, somewhere between 700 and 800 million registered users uh, at this point in time. And I think that's – I'd be interested to see kind of where the saturation point reaches uh, for those registered users because I remember even speaking about this before where we noticed a, a sort of a peak in U.S. registered users where we kind of reached about 50 or so percent and then they started kind of seeing that number pull back a little bit. But I, I think a lot of it is just – a lot of it remains to be seen exactly like Joe was mentioning. How are they going to monetize this and how, you know, how well are they going to be able to do it? To me, Pandora, there, there's still a lot of questions to be answered, even how that works. Facebook is pretty plain and simple up in you know, how, how it actually works, and they're just going to you know, try to monetize it through advertising and other you know, sticky user situations there. But still, you know, it's, it's just too early in the game to really have any notion. And let's not forget, I mean, $5 billion is still $5 billion. It's that's $5 billion. that's an enormous amount. Yeah, it's a great business. It's yeah. an enormous amount of money that they can deploy in any number of ways. Um, well, this $5 billion, by the way, is not going to be reinvested in the business. This is buying out people who are taking out their shares who are original investors. Yeah, that's what's so, going to make those 1,000-plus millionaires. <laughs> right, right. They don't need to get this money. They're only doing it because they're running up on this limit of the number of private investors they can have, which mm-hmm. is 500. So. Well, between that and, you know, the original investors, you know, bully for them. Like, they invested heavily when this thing was yep. in a dorm room. And, you know, great for them for wanting to cash out. And congrats. It's huge. Um, so widening the lens a little bit, uh, looking beyond Facebook, when you look at the competitive landscape, what is the company that you think is the most threatened by Facebook? And what is the company that you think represents the greatest threat to Facebook? Jason? So I think the company that's more threatened by Facebook at this point would – I would think Google would at least be looking over their shoulder at this because of the way Facebook makes their money. I mean they, you know, they make a good bit of their money from advertising and they obviously uh, – I mean it's, it's a globally known brand and name. Uh, so Google I think would probably be looking over their shoulders. 
the the one that's probably doing the most threatening at this point is really tough to say. Part of me wants to say LinkedIn, but that's really not social media so much. Mm-hmm. I personally they're trying to make it that way. Yeah, and that's that's kind of one of those things where you wonder if they're not going to try and steer in that direction. Uh, Twitter to me seems to be really taking hold uh, with with a lot of with a lot of people, and I, I do like its very free flowing, short, fast nature. And, and I think that it's converting a lot of people because of that. I think a lot of people don't have time to do Facebook because it it's like a virtual life; it's another life almost. And, and Twitter is not quite that way. So yeah, there is a little bit of a difference there. I think uh, that's potentially a threat. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, Google is the biggest threat to Facebook, and Facebook is the biggest threat to Google, and it's both because they're each vying for your mind share and your time and your clicks, and also your advertising dollars. So they're basically the two big dogs in terms of serving up ads to you, hoping to get you to click on something. And they both are data hogs, and they know more about you than anyone else. And because of that, they're going to be able to serve you more relevant ads that will deliver high returns for marketers. And so that's why you're going to see, you know, you're seeing Google go out with Google+, Plus because it's their way of kind of doing an end around on Facebook to you know, undermine them and keep them on their toes. And then you've got Facebook really aggressively pushing into ads. I mean, they'll keep you know, swinging at each other for a long time. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, just like Android and Apple, you know, that doesn't have to be just one winner. I mean, plenty of money sloshing around in this market, and it's growing like crazy. Shares of Amazon down more than 8% this morning. Uh, the company's fourth quarter revenue was up 35%, but profit down 57% uh, due to a lot of spending on warehouses and Kindles. Joe, historically, the fourth quarter, that's the holiday quarter. That's Amazon's big quarter. Um, what happened? They, <laughs> as, an, as a longtime shareholder, I must ask, what happened? Right. Everyone <laughs> is freaking out about this. But to me, this is a perfect example of the market overreacting to Amazon investing in a smart way for the long term. So they should be investing in infrastructure because they're going to need it. And in terms of Kindles, we knew this was going to happen, right? The Kindle is a very narrow margin product. It's not like the iPad where they make a bunch of money selling it. What they're going to do is they're going to sell it to you at a low price so that they hook you into their ecosystem. And then they're just selling you books through the Kindle store. And you're going to see all the revenue from this coming in a year or two years from now. And that's when we'll all be sitting here like, wow, they had this killer quarter. Earnings just <laughs> soared above booming revenue. And we'll all look back and you know wonder how that happened. But it's because they take this long view mentality and they're waiting to tr- willing to trade a, you know, a short-term dent for a long-term win. Uh, Jason, uh, what was the thing that I had seen online? There was something about Barnes and Noble, where where uh, Barnes and Noble essentially came out and said that they were going to stop selling Amazon imprint books in their store. Like this, is is Barnes and Noble still a Big viable deal? Not. I mean, that's you know, it's just you look at an earnings like this, and so. You know, they missed on revenues. They beat on earnings per share. Let's not forget here. I mean, this is a company that did about $17.5 billion in revenue in one quarter. And that's 30, 35% growth over the, the same quarter last year. So, I mean, that's not insignificant. But as Joe mentioned, they're investing into, you know, into their infrastructure, their distribution, trying to get those Kindle devices out to everyone. And so you have, you know, companies like Barnes and Noble and Best Buy that are essentially being marginalized by Amazon's business model. And so, you know, on the one side, like, if you're Barnes & Noble, you have to do something. I mean, you can't just sit there and just wither on the vine and die. We know that Barnes & Noble, essentially, to stay alive, is going to have to close down those bricks-and-mortar stores uh, and really streamline the business and become more of a tech company with Mm -hmm. their Nook franchise. 
Uh, the Nook, in my mind, doesn't compete with the Kindle. I, you know, I've compared the two devices, the Kindle Fire and the Nook. Uh, you know, the Kindle Fire is a better device. So you know, I think that ultimately this is just a way for Barnes & Noble to try to do something. Uh, and I don't blame them for that at all. But you know, the fact of the matter is Amazon – you got to look at days like today, which is just another short-term reaction to, you know, Amazon's looking down the road here. They're going to invest more money in the business. The market's saying, oh, well, this isn't where we're going to make our money for the next few months, so let's sell the stock off. But in 10 years, I think that investors in Amazon today are going to be very happy. And so you've got to look at days like today as, as excellent buying opportunities into a great business. Joe, is the stock, I mean, you're a value guy, isn't yeah. it? and we've talked before about Amazon's valuation. Is it is it getting closer to a valuation that you find attractive? Yeah, it is. I know that's hard to believe, but I think this is a phenomenal business, and I love the mindset of how they're investing for the long term. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, I don't think it's going to do well in the short term. You're going to have to wait for the long term to, for this to play out. In my experience, though, that's usually the biggest indicator that you should be buying because that's when everyone is kind of given up, so to speak, and they don't think it's going anywhere for a while. That's the point where I'll, you know, happily hop in and be like, yes, I will take one of these, please. Um, one of the things we talked about last year um, was Costco's move to increase their membership fees. I think they went from $50 to $55. Um, I remember Tim Hansen, uh, one of our colleagues, was in the room when we talked about it, and he just he said, you know what, $5, that's, that's nothing. That's, you know, I'll, I'll make that up in one trip to Costco. Um, the reason I bring that up is because I'm thinking about Amazon Prime, which is their service, $79 membership fee. Do you guys think right now Amazon has the customer loyalty uh, and an ability in the way that Costco did, um, did uh, to raise the price of their membership uh, membership fees on Amazon Prime, or are they still a ways away from doing that? So Amazon has more than 164 million registered active users at this point in the game. And I think, yes, they have that power to go ahead and bump the cost of Prime up if they chose to do so. I mean, if you saw a $10 increase, that might make some waves. But if they said, hey, you know, we're going to increase Prime by $5, well, you make that up on one shipment. You know what I mean? So I think that's pretty justifiable. Now, will they do it? I don't think so. They didn't have any indication on the call that that was what they planned to do. You've seen incrementally as quarters have gone on, shipping expenses for the Prime uh, relationship have gone up as a percentage of overall revenues. But with that said, it's almost like Bezos is taking the opposite tack and really just trying to nail this all the way and just get as many people signed up as he can, show the value there with the Prime relationship. They're expanding their video uh, library, digital content in general. So, yes, I think they have the, the power to do that, but I don't see any real uh, intention for that in the short term at least. Joe, when you look at this company over the next couple of years, they're, they're obviously they've got – the, the devices, the Kindle, the Kindle Fire, um, they've got the cloud, they've got Prime. Um, there were rumors uh, within the last couple of weeks uh, reported in the New York Post that uh, Amazon may be considering just spinning off their streaming video as a standalone service. Right now, you just sort of get it through Prime. When you look at the whole landscape, uh, Jeff Bezos calls you in and says, what should I be doubling down on over the next couple of years? What should I be making my big bet on? What do you tell him? Well, this is a tough one because kind of at the heart of your question is that they're doing something wrong. And I think they're actually executing wonderfully. And I think they are doubling down. They're tripling down right now. And I love it. And I think Prime is a perfect example of how they're willing to trade some short-term hits. And yes, you know, they are taking a hit on free shipping. 
some analyst came out today, I don't know who, but some short-sighted guy was like, oh, they should quit doing that. You know, that's ridiculous. Prime gets you addicted to Amazon. I don't know if you have it, but I, I use it. I'm, I do. I'm yeah, completely I'm addicted to using it. Yep. And it just gets you hooked into that ecosystem, and it's so successful. And, and building a membership model, too, you know, you see the success that Costco's had with that. They're replicating that, and they're you know tacking on so many other layers on top of it. To me, it's just brilliant. Jason, what do you think is Amazon's big opportunity? Just to key in on Joe's Prime point there, I defy anyone to try Prime for a Christmas holiday and then cancel it. (laughs) Once you have one Christmas gift you've ordered late, shipped to you within two days for free, you won't cancel it, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, But to your point, I think, you know, one of the things that doesn't really get a lot of FaceTime in the news, because Amazon, we we just associate with Kindle, is is Amazon Web Services. And so they are – they're expanding their web services as they expand their cloud services. Uh, You know, they're in eight geographical regions now, just introduced a a couple of new regions as well. And – you know there are a lot of companies that benefit from Amazon Web Services. In Netflix, for example, uh, is one that is very dependent on Amazon Web Services for their data processing and storage and other services. And, and right out of Netflix's 10K, they say that it would be very difficult for them to switch from that. Uh, and they they go on to say that well, we don't think that Amazon would take that relationship and use it against us. But I think it just goes to show how powerful Amazon Web no. Services is. Has someone asked Jeff Bezos that question? <laughs> it, it goes to show how powerful Amazon Web Services really is. And I think as they continue to grow out that presence, as the cloud continues to to develop, and as Amazon continues to invest in cloud computing and digital media, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to become more relevant as time goes on. I've got a reckless M&A prediction for you. Okay. So after Facebook goes public... We're looking at a stock that could be selling for 30 times earnings, or I'm sorry, sales, sales, which is sky high, ridiculous to the moon. Reed Hastings is on the board of Facebook. Now, if I thought about what would be a great way to acquire Netflix on the cheap, I would probably say using stock that's selling for 30 times sales as currency. (laughs) Netflix is still, you know, beaten down from a tie, although it's roared back, and that's been great. I think that could be a real opportunity for facebook to sweep in buy these guys on the cheap using their really expensive currency and integrate netflix into the facebook platform facebook better i mean go. think about how facebook. stuck you go. would be on facebook if netflix was integrated i'm gonna go one step i sent i think i sent a tweet out on that at some point ago too i agree with that wholeheartedly i think that we will see that happen facebook better go public quick because i think netflix stock is up about i don't know 55 60 percent so far in the last month so uh they better get that done quickly Joe Mager, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.